Coming Back is a listener-supported podcast. To support the show and get exclusive access to podcast swag, giveaways, private grief hangouts, and more, head on over to patreon.com slash shelbyforsythia. Support the show for as little as $1 per month and change or cancel your support at any time. Thank you so much for listening. Grief Growers, I am also setting sail on the 2019 Bereavement Cruise to join me and a boatload of other grieving hearts as we travel to Haiti, Jamaica, and Mexico. Go to www.comingbackcruise.com where you can sign up to receive more information on the cruise's sail dates, grief presenters, and onboard activities. I'll see you on the open seas. Hi there, and welcome to Coming Back, a podcast about coming back to life after loss. On today's show, I'm talking to Barbara J. Hopkinson, founder of A Butterfly's Journey, about the loss of her 21-year-old son, Brent, the end of her 30-year marriage, and the suicide attempt that woke her up to the power she had to choose to heal. Also on the show today, I'm reminding you to join my private Facebook group for my upcoming book, because I'll be releasing the first section of it this week. I'm Shelby Forsythia, an intuitive grief guide who speaks, writes, and teaches powerful truths on grief and loss. My mom's death in 2013 set me on the path to becoming a lifelong student of grief, and I use what I learned to equip others with the knowledge to heal and remind them that they are not alone. Because even through grief, we are growing. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Coming Back. Thank you so much for tuning in today. So before I jump into the latest news about my book, Grief Growers, I want to thank all of you who joined me live or watched the replay of my Facebook coverage of the new show on grief called Sorry for Your Loss last week. I am so excited to share with you that A, the live broadcast went very well, and B, because it went very well, I have been invited back again by Legacy.com to review more episodes of Sorry for Your Loss, so I will be live next Wednesday, October 3rd at 10 a.m. Central over on Legacy.com's Facebook page. I would absolutely love if you joined me again, especially if you've been keeping up with Sorry for Your Loss on Facebook Watch like I have. Click the link in the show notes to like Legacy.com's Facebook page. That way you'll be notified when I go live on October 3rd. I am so excited to keep the conversation going on a show that I think is so uh, beautifully capturing the aftermath of sudden loss and what it's like to be a young widow. Okay, grief growers. So this week, I want to let you know that I am getting ready to close membership to my private Facebook group called Permission to Grieve Launch Team this Sunday, September 30th. I'm getting closer and closer to finishing my book, and the closer I get, the more I want just my hardcore team of dedicated grief growers to be the ones to proof it and have eyes on it and continue to be the ones that build feedback and and constructive criticism and insight on it with me. So if you're on the fence about getting a behind the scenes look at my writing process or having input on this book, or if you've just been putting off answering the three questions that are required to join the private Facebook group permission to launch team, please request to join the group and answer those questions before the end of this weekend. 
As a reminder, once inside the group, you'll be able to see and respond to questions and polls related to the topics I'm covering in Permission to Grieve. You'll be able to talk to other grief growers that are helping with this project as well, and you'll get to be able to keep up with my writing progress too. When the book goes live, all I'm asking you for is to write a review of the book on Amazon and to share it with people you love on two forms of social media. Then you'll receive a free copy of the book in both ebook and audiobook formats. You'll be able to hear it in my voice too. This is really a project that I'm devoting my heart and soul and time to. I think I mentioned this on the last podcast, Grief Growers, is that, you know, the top of the shows have been a little bit sparse this season because I am putting so much of my energy towards this book and this piece of work that's coming through. I know that some of you listening are so invested in it coming to life and I can't tell you how much that means to me. If you want to be part of my exclusive launch team, again, please request to join Permission to Grieve launch team on Facebook before September 30th by following the link in the show notes or by searching Permission to Grieve launch team on Facebook. I would absolutely love to welcome you into this space. And I thank you all so much always for your continued support of what my heart uh, is aching to produce. This podcast, the community behind it, and now, yeah, a book. Next up, I'm talking to Barbara J. Hopkinson, fellow Bereavement Cruise presenter, founder of A Butterfly's Journey, and survivor of a ton of tragic losses, including the death of her 21-year-old son. Barbara J. Hopkinson is the founder and leader of both A Butterfly's Journey, a 501c3 nonprofit, and the Compassionate Friends of Greater Newburyport, Massachusetts. She is the author of several books, a contributor and co-author for multiple Grief Diaries projects, and a certified grief recovery specialist. As a part of her work through A Butterfly's Journey, she's created portraits of loss, photo shoots that encourage open expression of grief, loss, and love. Thank you so much for joining us today on Coming Back, and I'm so excited to have you here, uh, not only to talk about how loss has impacted your life, but the art and the the creativity that has come out of it. So if you could please start us off with your loss story. Oh, hi, thanks. Anyway, have, thanks for uh, having me, Shelby. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, delighted to be here. And uh, yeah, I've had quite a few losses. Um, my, I guess a lot of it started with my 21-year-old uh, died in a motorcycle accident, Brent. And he was going to have a great future, but that kind of shook my world. Um, I also had a, my third son, I've got a, a remaining son, Brad, and then my third son, Robbie, was stillborn, and I also had a miscarriage. So I've lost three children, and Brent was the last of the three that I lost, but it really rocked my world because a year later, my 30-year marriage fell apart, and my husband left me for a younger woman. So that was pretty earth-shattering. Um, I actually... Uh, attempted suicide over that, but luckily had the time to think about it and realized I couldn't do that to my remaining son, who uh, is now a successful chef and has given me a grandson, which I'm thrilled with. Um, but the uh, the other kind of non-personal or non-death type losses is I have been laid off of 10-year jobs twice. I've, um, I actually fell in a gym and lost a sight in my right eye, and then a few years later um, had to have the eye taken out have it eviscerated. So I have I have a prosthetic for a right eye. And yeah, this seems like there's been a lot of 
a lot of things, but it's, it's made me very strong and very resilient. I know we were speaking uh, before we got on the call today about how, how these losses have made you resilient, but I'm kind of, I'm curious to know how all of these have shown up differently in terms of grief for you, or if they're all kind of showing up the same in terms of how you grieve, how you respond to them in your life in terms of, you know, how your behavior changes in the aftermath of them? Yeah, no, I think, yeah, they're all very different. Um, And, you know, it's really difficult and not, I don't think, terribly useful to compare losses or people to compare pain Mm -hmm. because it's such an individual thing. But um, probably the most, the one that shook my world the most was the loss of my 21-year-old son. Brent was on his way to being an Army pilot. He was out at Arizona State University and uh, was getting engaged. And, you know, you have a whole future in your in your head. Um, I w- we were married 30 years, his father and I. And I was looking forward to retirement and grandchildren. And then everything fell apart because first, you know, Brent died. And that changed so much. And it, it's it's like you're being gutted like a fish when a child dies because you're primary role in life as a parent is to protect your children. So when you can't anymore, it's, it's, it's unbelievably devastating. And then on top of that, my husband left, our marriage fell apart. And so it was like a, you know, kind of a one, two punch. And then his, his brother was, he, Brent died the, the week his brother graduated high school. So Brad went back to went to college and ended up flunking out that first year because he, couldn't deal with the studies and the grief. He did get back in and finish, and now he's a very talented chef that owns his own restaurant. But uh, you know, at the time, it just it just shakes your whole world. And of course, I was worried about him. So that compared to the other losses, you know, when I lost you know, my third son, it was it was Robbie. You know, we didn't know until the end what was going to happen. And so when he was stillborn, having to come home from the hospital. And tell his brothers who was six and four and waiting for their little brother to come home from the hospital that he wasn't coming home um, was very difficult, but in a very different way, right? And I didn't, I hadn't gotten to know him or his personality yet the way I did Brent. And so it, it was also devastating, but just in quite a different way. And um, the miscarriage as well. You, you know, as soon as you're expecting, you're, you've got all these hopes and dreams, and it's very, very difficult. But it's different because you don't know the personality yet, right? You haven't had all those interactions, you know, with them. So it feels very different. And then um, when my <clears throat> husband left, yeah, that was <laughs> it's like, you know, you go through this, oh, my God, am I going to be able to make it, live alone for the first time? And then, you know, you go through phases of anger and you you go through, you know, eventually work your way to forgiveness because it's it's much better for you. <laughs> to uh, to forgive other people and um and of course it was not you know the divorce was not all his fault everything like that is always two sided we both contributed to it but but my son's death was a catalyst but you know it's just there's so much complexity and then you know you really miss I've had dogs and cats for more than 10 years and you know they died and it's like losing you know a family member in a different way it, it's hard to describe the differences they're all various levels of pain and they hit you at different times in different ways. But I think it's so unique depending on your individual relationship with them. I know I do, I'm a grief a certified grief recovery specialist and I've done um, 
one-on-one and group classes, but say in my one-on-one classes where I've, I've done them with mothers that have lost a child at different, different uh, adult child and baby ch- children. And then I also uh, had a pet loss class with a woman whose dog was ex- like her baby, you know, cause that was the main thing in her life. And you can see how it can affect them. Um, in over in overlapping ways, it's it's really interesting. So it's hard to categorize. It, it is, and it's hard to compare. It's hard to categorize. I guess I just have this vision of you as this person who's been totally. The word that's coming to mind is storm tossed, and just like <laughs> thrown up on the boulders and in the waves, and you know the lightning and the crashing, and you you like roll up on shore, and you're like, all right, this is what I got left to work with. <laughs> After all of this, and there's humor in it, but at the same time, I'm like, man, like you've had literal chunks taken out of your heart, and mm-hmm. and just True. intuitively, that's just, yeah, that's just the visual that's coming to me. And that's the, so the bigger question, I live on the ocean, and I've climbed the jetties, and it has tossed me around. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did not. Know, well, I did not know that. That's that's kind of cool that that clicks together that way. Um, the, the the bigger question that's sitting in the back of my head is is after all of this or and or in the midst of all of this where does hope come from for you because you mentioned um that you had an, a suicide attempt and in my mind that that is a place of hopelessness yes and so i'm wondering where hope comes from not only you know to allow you the ability to carry on just day to day but to continue to work with grief and others losses to take it that one step further yeah and i and i think an awful lot of the bereaved parents that i've talked to they may not have taken any action but a lot of them have considered suicide because it's that bad but for me i think it was the combination of losing the 21 year old son and the marriage my other son flunking out of college and uh, uh, was going to be living alone for the first time ever. And I was 51 Um, combination of all that. But I think a lot of times it's a trigger, right? It's a moment in time when you make, you just feel overwhelmed and make a silly or stupid decision. And if you choose a method that you can't get out of, um, then, you know, I think a lot of times it happens and it just happens and you can't get back from it. I, I was, literally pulling kind of doing the carbon monoxide thing, but that gave me time to think. And in that few minutes to think, it allowed me to say, okay, I can't do that to my remaining son. I can't put him through that. And it was a turning point for me. It allowed me to say, okay, time for you to make a choice to heal, to kick yourself in the butt and climb out of this hole one day at a time, knowing it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be fast, but you can do it. And I knew I could. It really wasn't. I don't think I was depressed at the level where um, it would have stayed with me. I think it was just it was a trigger at a moment in time because I had gone to an event that we were I had a couple of friends who had lost children six months after mine did. And I was looking to start a support group and we were supposed to have a meeting and they canceled the meeting and forgot to tell me. And so I needed to be with them at that point. And when I pulled back into my garage, it felt then it felt hopeless and it felt like, I don't know if I can take all this on at once. Um, but, you know, just a, a, a moment in time decision that, thank God, it, was, it turned into a turning point for me. And, and, and after I survived my son's death, I really felt, okay, I am so strong. I don't think anything could take me down. So all the other stuff, including the loss of my eyesight, which, you know, was, was, was tough, but 
I think I've released five books since then. You know, it's like it, you just, it's really all in your belief system. I, and I, I felt, man, you know, after, after losing children, I don't, I can't really just can't think of anything else worse that could take me down. So. Can you talk about how coming back from loss is a choice? You phrase it as I got to kick myself in the butt. And, yeah. <laughs> and do something about it. But, no, but do I, it. I came to this place as well where I'm like, am I going to keep doing this or am I going to choose to make my life look different than it does now? Yeah. I used to have kind of a tagline that said, choose to heal and finding mm. a new normal, things like that. I, I do think you do have to make a choice to heal because I think um, it's very easy, especially in, in there's so much these days, so many opioid deaths, so many suicides, so much that's that's really hard and it, the people it leaves behind they rack themselves with why didn't i see that coming and all kinds of guilt and anger and different things and you can get you can drown in that anger and that regret um but you know if you think about it that's not what our loved ones want they you know they made a choice that wasn't a good one at the time but they don't want us to be drowning in it or to wallow in it or to be stuck in it like that. They want us to be able to, to, to try to heal. And it's not one thing. I mean, I think you can try all different things. I was in the corporate world for 30 years and including 10 years at IBM. And we didn't talk about spirituality or <laughs> any of that kind of stuff, right? Everything was all business. So when my son died, um, I actually told my boss who was, kind of high pressure. I wanted to change my job and he was trying to prevent it. And I said, look, you don't have any power over me anymore because the worst thing that happened to me has, the worst thing that could happen to me has. So I don't care about this stuff anymore. You need to give me some space or I'm out of here. And, you know, <laughs> and, and, and just, it's just perspective. And it's, 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 it's making a choice that, okay, I can do this. I know it's going to be tough. Um, I also have to keep an open mind. I tried all kinds of things like energy healing and meditation and journaling. I mean, all that stuff, it all worked, you know, in its own way. It usually is, you know, I, I tell everybody, try at least a half a dozen things you've never tried before. And then probably three of them might help a little bit and keep doing those and then just keep, keep searching for things because you don't know. You don't know if you haven't tried it because it's, it's a, you know, grief is, a, is very unique and it's a, it's a new situation. So why not keep an open mind, you know? What surprised you the most about grief? How debilitating it was. Mm. When, after my 21-year-old died, I don't think I could read or listen to music for three months. And um, it, was, it was very difficult to get out of bed in the morning and do anything. It's like you force yourself but you're in shock those first couple of weeks to get you through the wake and funeral. And, you know, everybody's around and there's a lot of support, but then it starts to wane, you know, after the funeral. And then you have to get up and you have to really face it and it starts to sink in. And in my case, the first low point for me was about four months after my son died when it, it hit raw, raw reality. I mean, I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, and it was, you know, I, I can remember just, sitting and, and sobbing on the beach. And I had a good friend with me who actually knew him, a medium. And this medium had already retired, but she called her and asked her if she'd talked to me. And I had never done anything like that. 
but it's like, okay, again, I got to try it. And that was probably one of the things that helped me the most. She was very genuine and knew all kinds of stuff that she'd have no way of knowing. And that gave me hope. I was on a mission, on a journey to find out if my son's spirit continued. And I have since become absolutely convinced that all of our loved ones' spirits continue. So, and I've gotten signs, and actually that's one of my upcoming books, (laughs) is about really credible signs. But it, it just, it gives you hope. Stuff like that, that so you can eventually get to the point where if you think of your loved one's life as a gift to you and not just a loss, um, it, it, and, and think really focus on the positive memories and all the good times you had, it just gives you a much better way to remember them and look at them as an now. And I think of any of them, but especially Brent or even my husband, Jim, who really, he just died it, almost nine months ago. Um, I really think about all the fun things we did together. And I know that their, their spirit continues and they're still with me. I just can't physically see them and touch them. You know, I have to kind of pretend that they're on the other side of the world or something. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sometimes there's still, I have this with my mom too. I'm like, sometimes I still just think she's on a really long trip. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> she's yeah. still just somewhere across the world and her cell phone's disconnected. And, right. you know, I can't. <laughs> yeah, it's okay to think of it like that. Yeah. But, you know, you know that they would want you to feel better and to heal and, you know, to to just, you know, work your way through it. Right. So. Do it for yourself, do it for them, <laughs> do it for the rest of your family and friends, you know, whatever. But I try not to not try not to get stuck in it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm I always get this um this visual. I'm I mean, I'm I put my mind's eye on the podcast all the time, which is so funny because you uh-huh. can just hear my voice. Nobody can nobody can ever see what I'm thinking. Um, but I have this visual as well that I use a lot in the in the aftermath of loss where you're like sitting down alone in the dark and you have like 18 hands and they're all just grasping for something for hope for information for you know a connection like through a medium or you know try this on see if it works the reiki you know the experimentation Mm -hmm. of it all and i i really do think that's that's so important and it's something that's come through on multiple interviews here on coming back is like who cares if it sounds crazy just try it on and see <laughs> right. if, it works. if it doesn't move on i mean you're like the craziest yeah. things already happened the worst has already happened so yeah. like how could this it could get weirder but it's not going to get any worse the mentality is it's funny because what i what i did is i wrote my first book was a memoir called the butterfly's journey healing loss after the uh, a healing grief after the loss of a child. And the first part of it is just kind of that two week experience from phone call to funeral. But then the, the second part of it is, is a summary after 10 years of how I recovered in the spiritual journey I went on and all the different things I tried. And the three most important points I felt at the end of that, you know, with a 10 year perspective was number one, you have to keep an open mind but you have to and try new things, but you have to trust your own intuition. Everybody's got advice. They know nothing about your grief and your loss <laughs> because mm-hmm. it's unique to your relationship and your personality and how you heal. So don't take to heart everybody's advice. Just trust your own gut and open it. So that's really just all in one point because it's all about open in mind and keeping an open mind and stuff. The second is it's all about the love and that. I'm sorry, actually, the second is no, helping others helps you heal. So any kind of focus you can, it doesn't have to be about your loved one or about grief. 
It can be any cause or anything that you like, but reaching out and helping somebody else or others in general is so healing. It's, it's unbelievable. And then the third area is it's all about the love. So if you can focus on the love you had with that loved one, as opposed to the pain and the loss, it'll save you. It really makes me. And tell me, which book is this from again for our grief growers that want to pick yeah, that up? It's a, a butterfly's journey. Um, a butterfly's journey, right? And it's got a subtitle of um, "Healing Loss After the Healing Grief After the Loss of a Child." Thank you. I'm curious now to know how you went from this disastrous, you know chunks coming out of your heart grief to, I'm going to write a book about this and I'm going to have multiple businesses dedicated to helping others come out of similar griefs. Yeah. I think instinctually I knew that helping others would help me heal. So the first thing I did was reach out and start a chapter of the Compassionate Friends, which is a support group for families that have lost a child, grandchild, or sibling, any age, any cause. So I've had that. I started it in 2003. I've had it for 15 years. And that's a local support group in north of Boston, north, northeast Massachusetts. And uh, but after a while, you know, and as I was healing, I just wanted to do more. So I started working on the book and that took quite a while. And eventually I released that. And, you know, a while later, I retired from the corporate world and IBM and um, and said, you know, still yet, I felt now that I have some more time, I always, I'm very action oriented. I'm not, <laughs> I just, I just, I am, I'm a doer as opposed to a kind of a watcher. And so I, um, I went and started a butterfly's journey and went and got a 501c3 and I went and got certified in grief recovery method. And I feel better when I'm taking action to do something, it helps me as well as helping, you know, equips me to help others. Um, and then, so, the, so then it was confusing, but the, the nonprofit is called the butterfly's journey as well. <laughs> and then, um, we, we do these grief recovery method classes, you know, over the phone or, or in person. Um, and we have an online resource center, which is free. But the thing that I've been really dedicated to, um, over the last couple of years is called portraits of loss. And we actually go to events, um, and take, Photo, we set up a bring a photographer and set up a photo booth with professional lights and everything and encourage people to express themselves by writing on their skin with magic marker, the washable magic marker. And they get to express anything about their grief, their love, their loss, um, just to be able, it's a very cathartic process. And then we take the photos and edit them and send them to them so that then they're a catalyst for them to talk about their grief, which we don't do much in this country. So I'm really trying to encourage open expression of grief, loss, and love through this through these photo shoots. So we've done them all over the country, and I'm in the process of taking them international and multilingual. I've seen these photo shoots, and and you know, not to play favorites, but it's my favorite thing that you do is the portraits <laughs> yeah. of loss. And I think because it's so it's so striking, and you don't have to do. I mean, granted, as humans, we're, we're visual creatures. And so we see first and we kind of absorb, or we read second. So the less words we have to read and the more pictures we can look at, it just brings so much more uh, impact to a work. And to have these words physically written yeah. on bodies is like, I am carrying this. This is a part of yeah. me, as opposed to I'm putting this on a piece of paper, which is a separate entity from yeah, my body. Good observation. Part, yeah. <laughs> which is so cool. And I love it. And I'm kind of wondering uh, if you have some cool, like, um, 
or remarkable like takeaway stories from how this has changed you, both as the creator of Portraits of Loss and Butterfly's Journey uh, and as a leader of Compassionate Friends, but also as people have you know, participated in these projects, like how it's impacted them and their loss as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I love like I, I, you know, I could do the photographs myself, but I purposely don't because I love talking to the people and understanding about their loss, and then helping them decide what are they going to say and how are they going to present it. So the stories I hear, you know, they're unbelievable. You know, I've got one grandmother who was she came to my support group first as she lost her four-year-old grandson to cerebral palsy. And then his mother had a really tough time and went through some overdoses that, that they brought her back from, but then she committed suicide. And so this poor woman lost her grandson and his mother, her daughter. And, you know, her, her message was grief is the price of love. Um, you know, and then, you know, there's another mother who, who lost her son to overdose suddenly. It was just a, such a surprise to her. And, and her message on her arms was no blame, no shame, just love. Um, it, mm. Oh, there's so many things. It's, it's like there's another woman who is a beautiful black woman and she had some striking colors on and she just had on her hands, it's okay. It's like, you know, I'm okay. It's okay. Um, you know, there's such a wide variety. Sometimes people just put their loved one's name and a heart, or they might have a phrase. I, I never, ever tell them what to write. It's, I always just encourage them with questions, and we always have a, um, a slideshow, like on, a, on an iPad or something, that flips through examples. And, and we do it with singles or couples or groups. You know, sometimes we have a whole family. There was a whole family and their daughter, Sabrina, had died. So they had a whole phrase and they had, you know, one word on each person's arm, but there were maybe six people in the photo. Um, you know, it's, it, it's so interesting. And then we had a woman that came in and she and her husband had lost their daughter. Um, and so, but she had this beautiful Dalmatian service dog with her. And I said, oh, can I, you know, we took the picture with her and her husband and then her. And I said, can I take a picture with your dog? And we did that and it was beautiful. And I said, can I take a picture with just the dog? And she put her daughter's photo hanging from the dog's collar. And it's, it's, it's just, you look at it and it just melts. <laughs> it's beautiful yeah, Dalmatian, oh you know, with this, yeah, <laughs> this beautiful young woman's picture on it. So it just, they tell such a story, but. God, you know, one woman, we were at Compassionate Friends National Conference where they do a lot of times these pictures on buttons, and she had three buttons, and I asked her, my God, did you lose three? And she said, yeah, my husband shot my three children and then shot himself. Oh, my You God. just, yeah, I mean, so you hear stuff like that, and you just, can I hug you? <laughs> you know, so I, I like the part of being able to interact with them, you know, and then and then, you know, I have all the, we, we get a media release with their email so we can email them the, the resulting photos and, and things. But yeah, some of the stories are, would blow your mind. Absolutely. Like, no yeah. kidding. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm looking at some of them now as we're speaking. And they're just uh, okay. so, they're so different. And yet they're all, they're all grief. They're all the same. And, and this, and yeah. And for our grief growers that are joining us on the bereavement cruise, this is the workshop that you'll be teaching or the event that you'll be hosting on, on the boat. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, so there's two things on the boat. I am going to do a photo shoot. So we'll do a photo shoot, um, on the boat. Uh, my staff photographer, Patty Ray Miliotis will join us and we'll have 
you know, a whole setup with, with a backdrop and lights and we'll do photos for anybody who would like them. And separately, I'm going to do a workshop on resilience. Um, again, because I think I've, I've survived a lot of stuff and I really feel whole and happy and healthy. And, um, I, I, you know, I, I, I just, I focus on the love of all the, the people and have been able to get past other kinds of losses and, you know, it's okay. Life goes on and life can be good again. So I just, I just want to illustrate that for people. What's the, mm, looking for words on this one, but I feel like resilience right now is a buzzword in, uh-huh. in the United States, kind of all over the world, actually, where we're looking a lot at resilience and how to make people, but kids be able to bounce back, to come back, faster, better, um, with more hope Mm. than they used to. And I guess how in your work do you prevent it from being like, we need to be strong? Because I think there's this myth of, you know, we need to be strong immediately after loss happens. But then a lot of people confuse (laughs) that with, you know, what resilience looks like. So I guess determining the difference between the two in your work. It's interesting. I hadn't really thought about this in this context before, but my gut reaction is to say resilience is not being strong or avoidance of being strong. Resilience is coming back from uh, you know whatever whatever blow you know you suffered and whatever loss you suffered. So it's it's and it's not about how fast or even how much it's more about, you know, can I take the hit and get knocked down and can I crawl my, you know, can I get back up again and can I continue? And even if it's only a little bit at a time or one step in a staircase at a time, um, you know, am I at least looking to, um, get some form of a new normal, some, something. I mean, it's not like you're, you're ever going to, you know, your loss is not going to go away or grief totally, but, but you certainly can be happy again and, and, and be resilient to say, okay, that happened. Like I lost my sight. Yeah. That was a blow for a while. And then I learned to function without it. (laughs) You know, it took a while, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I think it's more about just trying to, almost like in your coming back and your <laughs> title of your your uh, your work and your show. It's it's more about taking taking the blow, but not letting it keep you down. Mm. Keep you know just 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 being able to find some way to get back to the surface and get a breath of air. And you may sink a few times again, but you eventually you come up and stay up. That's a, such a great way to describe it. And I have one more question before we let people know where we can find you. Um, and that is, what is the butterfly's journey and where did that symbolism come from for you? <laughs> well, to me, a butterfly is a symbol of transition. I think it's an international symbol of transition. Most grief organizations seem to have some, some kind of butterfly in their midst <laughs> because it's so illustrative going from a caterpillar, you know, into a pupa and going from this ugly little creature into this magnificent, beautiful, colorful creature. 
is such a symbol of, of transition in any way. And I think of it as ind- indicative or, or representative of the transition that our children or our loved ones or our pets went from um, a physical life to a spiritual life. And it's our transition from having you know, a life with them to continuing without them, right? There's a big transition on both sides. And it, it represents that to me. And so I was, I was considering that, I think, in, a, um, uh, in the title. And I actually had gone, one of the mediums that I went to a medium, and she kind of said, no, I think a butterfly's journey. Because I was, I, I don't know, I had it slightly different. I forget what it was. <laughs> but anyway, and so I just, oh, the other story. I got to tell you one quick story about the, the actual monarch butterfly that's yes. part of my logo. This is, <laughs> so uh, uh, about a month after my son died, my 21-year-old son Brent died, um, my other son and a friend of his were at my house and a big, beautiful orange orange and black monarch butterfly showed up on the deck, but it showed up and stayed there. And his my son's friend saw it and he went out and it allowed him to pick it up and bring it in the house. And it, it allowed us to actually hand it between the three of us and take pictures and it never tried to get away is what oh for half an hour gosh. it never ever tried to get away and then finally it's like what do we do with it well so you got to put it back outside and sometimes it's got to take off so he eventually he put it back out on the deck and eventually it, it flew away but the whole thing it never and every time we just look at it and I'd, I'd blow lightly on its wings and it would open its wings and stay flat for a minute so i could take a picture the most photogenic <laughs> butterfly come back up <laughs> Honest to God. So that butterfly is the butterfly that's in when I I have my logo, you'll see it, a butterfly's journey. Um, that That's the butterfly. It's the butterfly that, that showed up a month after my older son died. Wow. And you're not the first person to mention butterflies on this show, but I always like to know where people's names and their roots of the stories come from. Absolutely. So I've I've been, you know, a couple of people said, oh, no, you should change your logo or this or that. I said, yeah, no, I'm not giving up that butterfly. You're like, no, that is way too important. <laughs> much meaning behind that guy. Well, uh, before we hop off for the day, let us know where people can find uh, your Compassionate Friends chapter in Boston, but also uh, A Butterfly's Journey, both the book and the business, and where they can look at these portraits of loss that you've taken as well. Oh, thank you. Sure. So uh, Compassionate Friends, again, is a chapter, it's, it's the chapter, it's the Compassionate Friends of Greater Newburyport, Mass. And it, the website is TCF Newburyport. Org. So that's T-C-F-N-E-W-B-U-R-Y-P-O-R-T.org. Uh, and we have our meetings um, fourth Mondays for anybody kind of within driving distance of that. Um, and then the, uh, the, the, the nonprofit, the, uh, abutterfliesjourney.org. So that's, it's, it's, it's possessive, not plural. So it's A-B-U-T-T-E-R-F-L-Y-S-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y.org. Uh, the phone number for that, or can reach for either, is 617-410-6309, and, or info at abutterfliesjourney.org is the email. Um, and then a Portraits of Loss. So there is a photo gallery on that, and on the Butterflies Journey it has info. It's got the Free Resource Center, and it's got um, uh, information about the grief recovery programs, et cetera. But the uh, the portraits of loss also has its own site 
and these each both have their own Facebook and Instagram and pages and their own site. And that's portraitsofloss.org. Uh, and we're coming out with, I'm now partnering with Linda Fell of Grief Diaries, the founder of the anthology series, Grief Diaries. Um, and we're, we're doing a book uh, currently named Faces of Grief with, with some of these photos. And that will be coming out very soon. Oh, that's so exciting. And I know that Linda Fell's coming on the Bereavement Cruise too. So it's just going to yes. be one big yeah. uh, Bereavement Cruise collaboration. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. Uh, it. I've met so many wonderful people in working you know, with the grief experts on a national level. And we just did a photo shoot for Parkland, Florida after the school shooting. Yeah. Uh, they had a, there was a day of hope hosted by Bobby Rissaniti. Um, and um, we went down and did that. And I think, you know, there's, there's plans to be doing things to uh, help, you know, these poor people go through this sudden terrible loss. Well, thank you so much, Barbara, for the, all the work that you're doing and, and so many places that you are. You just feel so present in so many different types of grief, both because you've experienced them and because you work with them and continue to work with them. So it's just been a joy to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Shelby. It's nice talking to you. So that's all for this episode of Coming Back. Thank you so much to Barbara J. Hopkinson for sharing your multiple losses with us and for reminding us that coming back isn't always an easy choice, but it's a choice we are all capable of making. Barbara came back by seeing a medium and by supporting other grievers through A Butterfly's Journey and The Compassionate Friends. You can find a link to Barbara's website in the show notes. Join me in my private Facebook group, Permission to Grieve Launch Team, to receive a free copy of my upcoming book and provide your insight and wisdom to this valuable heart project. Membership closes this Sunday, September 30th. Come sail with me and your fellow grief growers on the 2019 Bereavement Cruise by requesting more information at comingbackcruise.com. We are less than six months away now. If this show has changed the way you see grief and loss, go to patreon.com slash shelbyforsythia, where you can pledge to support the show for as little as $1 per month and get some very cool podcast rewards for doing so. If you liked what you heard today, you can also support the show by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and by telling a friend about coming back, because you never know what someone you love is going through. Thank you to Mr. Eddie Goldstein, who composed our theme music. You can find me on Facebook at Shelby Forsythia Intuitive Grief Guide, Instagram at Grief Guide Shelby Forsythia, or simply shelbyforsythia.com. If you'd like to leave a question or a comment for a future show, leave a voicemail or text 312-725-3043 or email me at shelby at shelbyforsythia.com. As always, my dear grief growers, it was beautiful sharing this space and time with you today. I see you. I am proud of you and the work that you're doing in the world. And I love you. Because even through grief, we are growing. We are growing.